we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. David Dacker, your host. Man, this has been a really, really tough week. And this has been that type of a week where you really wonder uh, what happens with time, you know, because you figure that people grow and um, learn and strive to be better with time. And here we are in 2020 and people are still arguing on whether, you know, a discontent group of people within a society has the, uh, the right to, uh, to protest. Yes, I am going to talk about that real brief. Because here's what I have to say to you. I remember Rodney King. I remember whenever Rodney King, the video of his beaten by LAPD uh, came out. And that was evidence that demissed the, 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 the attacked the myth that people had of what happens between a police and a black person's uh, interaction. Because for a very long time, that's what black people say, that that's how police are treating them. And most people say would say that they were paranoid, that they were exaggerating, that they were lying. And then the Rodney King video pops out. And these guys are just doing it for sport. You know, just beating this guy just because. And it was, you know, it angered a lot of people and, and, you know, people protested and whatnot until the the verdict, which was, you know, they acquitted all the guys, all the uh, officers. And, um, and then we had the L.A. riots. And what are riots? Yes, I'm sure you've seen the meme where Martin Luther King Jr. says, you know, riots are the voice of the, discont- of the uh, unheard. But in, in that, what that means is that it is the voice of a group of people large enough to, co- to cause a riot, right? That um, is not only just not heard, but the, the leadership, the government, the governance of the leaders has failed, has failed them. And that is why that frustration normally... Um, you know, builds over years, sometimes over decades, and sometimes over generations. And so, it's not, it's, you're going to say, well, that's not a good thing, right? It's not. And uh, it's not any better than the uh, the way uh, police brutality occurs. Police say somebody, hey, you know, you got to put your hands behind your back and you, you haven't done anything that warrants an arrest. And you tell them, well, why? And then all of a sudden they say that you're resisting arrest just by asking a question. And then suddenly you're attacked by the one officer who's calling for backup and they'll bring in four other officers. And then they'll the, uh, all those officers, instead of just putting the handcuffs on the person, on you, they decide to just beat you. Do you hear how unreasonable that is? Unnecessary? Because what you always are thinking 
if you're the person that thinks along these lines, is that, well, they were resisting arrest. You know, that's what the, the police report says. But to, to what degree? Just by asking why? You know, hold up now. Don't put the handcuffs on me yet. But why are you putting handcuffs on me? You just, I just walked up. You understand that? That's how unreasonable it is. So, yes, as things happen and things go out of hand sometimes, like in the George Floyd I mean, that was very deliberate. But whenever things get out of hand and they destroy a person's life, that man's life, that family, well, just think of it that the riots are the equivalent of that. Because you say, well, but that's one person and this is your destroying businesses and all that. Well, I mean, how many lives have been lost by the time the riots happen? Now, I'm not justifying riots. I'm explaining them. Because it's important that you understand where they're coming from because that is the only way that you can heal that, right? That's, a, that's, a, that's an injury from society to that group of people. So in order to heal that, then you need to know what it is. Otherwise, you start making stupid comments about it, you know, like the president has. And you make it worse. So... I remember that Rodney King video and I thought, well, this is it. Like things are going to have to change because there's a proof. And then here we are 30 years later, 35 years later or something like that. And uh, still dealing with the same thing. And the video quality gets better and better. And the proof gets more blatant. So what are we as a society and going are going to do? All right, so I'm here with uh, uh, Ryan Baker. Um, he is uh, someone that I met at the uh, bar at Lockwood Station downtown Houston, and he is a personal trainer slash project manager. Um, and... That has a bit of an overlap. Um, my, uh, the reason I asked him to be on the on the podcast is because uh, he uh, focuses again on the personal training, but it's a it's a very uh, tailored uh, programs that he works on. And so, Ryan, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So, what is it that? Uh, you do exactly because you've you've mentioned to me some of the personal trainer designing uh, uh some of the the programs and gyms and working with ufc fighters and other professional uh athletes that's a, that's a lot so how do you break that down so basically what happened was a decade ago i started off as a personal trainer and i'm hyper competitive like i've got a dozen fights between three different sports my name that's just my nature so i went oh, back wow. to school and continued to grow my skill set at that point i kind of moved away from personal training as a full-time job and i started working with athletes i've worked with future nfl players tired nfl players a couple of olympians to uh, even full-time with the ufc fighter Okay. And that requires a different perspective because we're planning 12 to 15 weeks at a time instead of, oh, here's your workout for the day. I've got to go through plan travel. I've got to plan 
weight cuts, I've got a plan peaking out for uh, performance. Okay, hold up. So what is the difference between having a daily workout and having that that 12 week uh, deadline? So if you, if you notice, like a lot of sports, they'll go into what's called training camp right before the season starts. Correct. Uh, basically, they're staying in shape. Like it's something any trainer can do. You can put them through daily workouts, keep them in their natural, physical, athletic capabilities, but you need them at a certain level of performance for competition. You need them to be at their absolute best, and that that requires several weeks of strategizing, whether it's organizing their diet, getting them to a weight that they function best at. Okay. Uh, me, for instance, I function amazingly at 170 pounds when fighting. Like, okay. If that's what I rehydrate to, I'm going to do better than any other day of my life. Okay. Re- rehydrate to, meaning what? Uh, so, uh, what I was talking about earlier with weight cutting, weight cut management, basically for a lot of sports, wrestling, uh, even like gymnastics, oh, race really? car driving, uh, in cer- certain categories, not all, you'll have to meet a certain weight class for just a few moments. Bodybuilding is obviously the big one. You have to cut down to as thin and lean as possible. Uh-huh. And, and it's a huge process to take for fighters. It should take, take notes, people, if you're listening, should take about six days of just intense dehydration and uh, water manipulation. So, so then reach it. I'm sorry. So then okay. a, a fighter that fights at 170, what's their, is that the, the weight they need to cut to? And then what weight are they actually stepping into the ring at? Uh, anywhere between 180 and 195. Are you kidding me? Nope. I sat, I walk around. I walked around at 172 and fought at 155. So that was oh, good, wow. 17. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then, but that that is for peak performance, and that is someone who is in the realm and the arena of uh, competition, um, because that can get pretty dangerous, right? Yeah. If you do it wrong, uh, and I actually had it, it, I, I would say it. It's fortunate that I got to be there. It's unfortunate that happened, but uh, I saw someone's heart stop in a pro fight because they had a terrible weight cut. It was a pretty famous incident here in Houston. Oh, wow. A couple years ago, a guy uh, got hit in the liver and his whole body just shut down. And it made national news on the mainstream, not even just the fight world. And if you do, it requires someone that actually knows what they're doing for it to be safe. Even though incidents like that are few and far between, you don't want to be the person that caused one of those incidents. And, and okay, was the fighter okay afterwards, or I mean, what? Uh, yeah, he recovered. Uh, he won't legally be allowed to fight in America anymore. Oh wow! Because, but it was it was unfortunate that it had to happen. Okay, so then the training and training to. Having a trainer is for what? Um, and this, so in general case, it's just for your own health, your own strength. I always tell people the better you get at lifting heavy stuff, the easier it is to kind of lift yourself up every day. For yeah. athletics, you hit harder, you run faster, you last longer. And it generally, because it is a 12 to 10 to 12 week program, you're going to go ahead and try to peak which means you're 
you're trying to get a your best performance on a certain day. So you're kind of just uh, focusing on maximal strength for a while. You're focusing on power. You're focusing on speed until it all combines at the end. Okay, so then... So that's part of, of, of what you've done. Are you still doing that? Um, not really. At least I, I've kind of moved into project management. Uh, when we met, I was designing a gym, which COVID has really kind of made that delay a little bit. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about COVID in a second. <laughs> yeah. uh, but before, right before that, let's. what is designing a gym? I mean, basically... I mean, if I was to design a gym, I get a bench, uh, some free weights, and uh, and maybe a, a rack or two, you know, for for deadlifts and for squats, and, and that's it. That's my design. Right, but uh, now you've got to look at okay, who's your clientele? Because most people don't open a gym if they don't already have clients. For me, I would be bringing in athletes, so I need a turf, I need sleds, I need giant resistance bands, uh, hydraulic pressurized. Uh, barbells and stuff okay so, so much more specific to the performance yeah if you go into any gym you'll see that they have allocated okay la fitness is gonna have three to four squat racks seven benches because that's what that's what brings people in is bench space okay if uh you go to a small local gym you're gonna see well this guy all his clients are bodybuilders so he's got a lot of barbells he's got a lot of dumbbells and so I had to, it's my job to take a look at the budget and see what's absolutely important. What does this, this person's clientele need? How much physical space do they have? Do they have 1,500 feet or do they have 25,000 square feet? Sounds a lot like uh, designing a uh, bar program and a menu. Exactly. You know, you, you have to look at what the... Uh, what the clientele is, yeah, how big the space is. Is it a lot of uh, patio space? Is it a lot of indoor space? Um, are you going to mostly have a uh, happy hour crowd versus a late night crowd? Uh, do they want food? Is there food around? Um, and, your, and your willingness to look at all of that, all those details will help you determine whether you succeed or not. Opening a bar like is run of the mill. Opening a bar that's going to succeed in the long run, that's that takes effort and genuine understanding so then talking about that how can a person in this COVID world now especially so for the last three months i mean especially the first two weeks the first month i mean everyone was uh was very static you know at home um probably drinking all the booze that they uh they had stored for a special day or for some people it's very difficult to work out outside of the gym so that first question for me that I have for you is how do you have your own training program whenever you can't go to the gym, right? And, um, and you have to self-motivate. And beyond that, what are the things that affect the body of people that are blue-collar workers, right? That have, you know, whether it's a construction job or job bartending or a job as a waiter you know, all these jobs that require physical uh, involvement, physical movement. So first off, how do you get self-motivated and how do you work out alone? I think the easier route to look at or the more successful route to look at is not uh, is to understand that odds are an at-home program 
isn't going to do the same as an equipment base at at the gym program like yeah there's going to be outliers and exceptions but any trainer any coach that tells you oh you can get the same exact results at home doing this with your chair or whatever they're lying okay and so understanding that goes a long way you're as long as you're staying active you're not gonna you're not gonna lose the function of the muscle you're gonna be able to get back into the gym when all this is over and and train again you'll it'll come back very fast that's something people need to understand as long as you're active. Go through the motions that you practice this whole time. So then working out at home is more about sustainability. Yes. you're Realistically, you're not going to get huge amounts of growth working at, out at home if you're used to working at a gym. Okay. So that's, that's the first thing to accept and to understand. Because yeah. that way you're not going to get demoralized as you start to lose your musculature, as you start to gain a little bit of fat. Okay. That's where people have problems. They they start to get demoralized and it gets harder to return to the gym when the gyms open up again. So it's like a, it's a head game that they play against themselves. Yes, exactly. Okay, so then I think that, so that's the first thing to accept and understand or understand and then accept. And then uh, what, what are the basics? So, you know, push-ups, sit-ups, you know, are, are they uh, more specific uh, workout or should you just focus at that point in uh, large body movement? So first I'd say get what you can. One, one of the tools I've probably used the least in a gym is probably one of the best at, at home workout tools because even the off brands start as low as 50 bucks. It's like a TRX suspension system. Okay. They can, uh, they can do things like give you modified versions of pull-ups or even pull-ups if you raise them high enough they can give you modified push-ups they can give you squats they can help you with single leg stability all kind all kinds of stuff that that's the only real piece of equipment you need for sustainability unless you re, unless you just have a lot of money and space to invest in a home gym so are those the, are those uh, the um uh what do they call it the uh the, like the bungee cords no, these are like a hard, uh, like thick nylon. Uh, they're meant to sustain a lot of weight. Okay. So they're great. They're great starter pieces of equipment. Honestly, when I have a full gym, I, I very rarely use them, but they're great for at home. What are they called again? TRX suspension. Okay. And there's plenty of off brands for people that aren't working. Like I haven't worked realistically in two months. So I'm not going to sit here and buy a full full gym. Right, right. Disclaimer, I had access to a private, my own private facility, but that's. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So beyond that, then that would be the best way to keep as yeah. sustainable uh, as possible. So that way, whenever you get into the gym, then the, 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 the time to get back to where you were is, is shorter. Exactly. You, you want to keep do your best to keep from losing that function versus focusing on, oh, I'm going to make so many improvements and gains. Like, improve on, improve on things you can. Flexibility is easy to improve on. All you need is something to cushion the floor. Okay. Uh, endurance. You can go for runs if you want. I know Houston kind of sucks for that. Yeah. So, but actually, Houston sucks even more for when it comes to uh, swimming. 
much more difficult to find a, a good pool that that uh it's it's big enough for you to actually put in some yeah. laps so yeah. running is is bicycle uh, you know bicycling and, and running are the two options basically i i just meant the air i can't I oh can't do cardio outdoors with our humidity i actually went and trained in denver for two weeks and enjoyed the altitude came back and the, the humidity here just killed me instantly okay so then for somebody for bartenders waiters people in the industry um how do you get started in uh with a workout i mean how what what is it to do especially if you're really out of shape let's let's talk about some people that really out of shape uh and and because and let me set this up because they have a lot of things going against them meaning they have uh, a poor diet because food late night is not healthy um not and i don't mean not eating late um it, i mean like everything is really fatty and and uh pure calories um they're all comfort food um Every, you also, everything is a comfort food you very rarely cook for yourself because you're given shift meals or friends that work in the industry and it's all cooked to be tasty not healthy right right and then you probably drink more even if you don't drink that much usually tend to drink more than the uh, what is normal in addition to that let's say somebody has a body type that just saves all that shit up so what do you do first and foremost like you have to just start people are going people in gyms are going through a process that literally makes them happier and more helpful like they're most people, if you talk to them at a gym, they will give you advice. And so start by looking at basic programs, contacting a professional on Instagram. And I mean a real professional on Instagram, not like an influencer. Because you, like, even me, I, I love to contact people with PhDs and research. Like, hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And we all, for the most part, love answering questions as long as it's not like a full-on routine or a full-on program right sort of like cheating the uh yeah you don't want to, you don't want us to feel like you're trying to rip us off right but at the same time like you know we're we're almost all happy to give people basic questions like it's not it's not too much for me to say oh well try the, this goblet squat you can google what it looks like on youtube do three sets of 10 until you build up kind of a tolerance to the pressure like it's not that doesn't and if any one of us is like getting mad at you for asking something like that we deserve to be slapped like that, <laughs> that, that doesn't take any effort from us and it's great marketing bartend everyone talks to bartenders like rich poor people i can afford my training people i can't like if i make a bar industry person happy that i talked to them and gave them good advice first time someone asked them hey uh if you know any trainers, like they're going to think of me. Yeah. But what is it that, that a person can do to get started? I mean, because that's always the hurdle. Yeah. Find, find a local gym, get, get started uh, by just going in there, ask someone behind the front desk, Hey, do you know how to do this? Or, Hey, is this, I read about this online. Is this bad for you? And people, people answer questions. It's just a matter of being t timid or not. 
Okay. In a, per- in a perfect world, if someone owns, say, six bars throughout the city, they would be making contracts with a lot of coaches to spe- specifically help. And that's what I was uh, – the bar in Toronto we were talking about in our private time. Yeah. Like, they they reached out and they got – they made a contract with someone to help all of their employees because they, they had – they have the financials and they realize that, hey, we get better member retention because, or not member retention, sorry, wrong industry, uh, <laughs> better employee retention. And they work better. They're happier. They move better. They make less mistakes because their cognitive abilities go up when they work out. Okay. So tell me a little bit about that that project. Like, what is it? So a, a bar owner uh, contacted a, 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 someone that does basically what you do. And uh, had them come in and and do what with the staff? So the first thing they did was basic assessments. They were like, okay, like this person has muscle imbalances. They should probably stretch in this way. Just the absolute fundamentals. They they just go through and just help people get started, show them wh- what direction they need to go. And then from there, they go into a little bit more of the complicated stuff as people get used to moving. Is that that's where most people quit is working out at first really sucks. Yeah. It, it hurts. It sucks. Even if you're not overdoing it, your muscles aren't used to that kind of stress. Yeah. And it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Um, you wake up with pain the next day and then you're told to just work through it. Yeah. It sucks to get started, but, and worse is it, it, as I said earlier, it's really awkward awkward to ask for help like you don't know if you're doing it right in the first place and so that's where the project that the bar owner up north had had really did well by contacting a professional and saying hey like i want to make a deal with you let me if you help our guys like we'll just have like a running deal yeah i so it was a was it bar smarts I think convention in Austin a few years ago, they had uh, Brooklyn Gin had um, their yoga instructor there, and uh, this is a distillery in Brooklyn. Um, they have a uh, I think weekly uh, I can't remember right now, but I think it's a weekly yoga session for industry uh, professionals that is free uh, for them to go. And this particular instance is yoga, uh, which is fantastic for your body. Some people are not into it. And uh, not all workouts are for everybody. But one of the things that that the lady was doing was she was first making an assessment of the person's body and uh, how they stood, you know, how they picked up certain things. And and then saying, okay, you know, appears that your body's tense on this side. And, you know, a lot of bartenders have this issue with their shoulder blades. And she went into detail with every person that came to her. Uh, about their their body and how they they moved and how they should stretch. So, how important is that assessment? And that's exactly what I was talking about. By the first thing we do, we would do is go through and assess each person. Like, okay, what's the mus- muscular imbalance? Like, uh, say if someone squats down and their left knee shifts inward five inches or so. Like, okay, now I know that this muscle the gracilis or maybe the common adductors are way too tight or the reverse uh everything has two possible answers one thing's either too tight or the opposite is just way too weak 
and that that's our job as professionals to be able to see that whether it's if i have you go through very common movements like a push-up or a squat even walking uh your the way you walk your gait tells us a lot uh for bartenders i would i would probably have you pick up something overhanded and heavy because your wrist your uh grip flexors might be a little damaged or weak which is true if you if you think about it you're shaking from your elbows and well i think that yeah what i find is um definitely the shaking and what i notice a lot is that bartenders still to this day um which to me it's a little a little confusing because there's so much information out there i guess it's not really reaching uh bartenders but um it's the way that they shake and and a lot of bartenders are still shaking with their arms um open sort of like their shoulders uh their chest open away from their chest and that seems to create a lot of stress on the on the deltoids on the on the shoulders um and it causes a lot of injury and so i always shake from the center of my body so i always go towards you know the the where my nose is and in front of my chest because at that point it's uh, my arms are stronger there uh, and i always shake with two hands if possible um unless i'm double shaking and then i'm still you know two hands but I think that it's a um, it's a common mistake that creates a lot of problems. But the other part about bartenders is yes, uh, there's the grip, um, there's the elbow, the shoulders. But um, I've found that a lot of uh, people in the industry don't want to spend money on good shoes. And from my experience with uh, chiropractors, the whenever your heel starts to wear out, and then your shoe is out of balance you start to walk awkward like you're saying making an assessment from doing simple things everyday things like walking um you can see where people's hips start to um are, are imbalanced how i mean how do you how do you approach that how, how do you fix that well that that actually touched up on a problem that almost seems like universal when people tr like first get into something they don't get in, they don't start in an elite level so when they learned how to shake, the perfect solution would be when they first start learning how to shake or they first start learning how to do a bench press, teach them right. Because if I spent a year doing a bench press wrong, it's really hard to unlearn that lesson. No, no matter how good my, my new boss or my new instructor is, I've been doing it wrong for so long, my muscles naturally do it. And it probably that probably translates to shaking very well. Okay. So yeah. pr proper initial instruction is would be more important than any corrective function. Okay, so that's but, number one. What's next? Yeah. Number two would probably be focusing on strengthening the specific muscles that are lacking. So if you have to use your elbow a lot, so now you've got to get your, say your wrist flexors, your finger flexors, pretty well dexterous and strong, and there's a lot of exercises uh, you can go through that just uh, maybe with a resistance band, wrist flexion and extension, or uh, practice gripping with your individual fingers over and over. Uh, bicep curls, tricep extensions, those all fit into that. Okay. And uh, about the shoes, absolutely correct. Most most shoes for people that are active shouldn't last more than eight months, honestly. And the, the better suited for your natural posture, the better. 
I, I find that, so service industry, because you have to hold your arms up over your head quite a bit, whether it's waiters or bartenders, you have to keep your arms up and you're kind of looking at an extended posture. You actually uh, tend to have a hip rotation that goes the opposite of what's normal for people uh, kind of hip problems. So generally, like if you see like a construction worker or even someone that sits in a chair all day, they have what's an interior pelvic tilt where they're pelvis tilts forward and down and for your industry it would be kind of the opposite where it tilts a little too far upward you're gonna put stress on the like the front part of the like pelvic girdle i guess hadn't thought about this until just now and what does that mean uh that you've really got to work on engaging your your abdominal your transverse abdominal which is what kind of keeps you upright uh, stretch out your back. You're, you're going to have a lot of back pain it, if you don't stretch that out at the end of the day. Your medial glutes, which is the m- muscles on the outside of your thighs toward the top. Okay, so like crunches and uh, and squats or lunges? Uh, squats and lunges for strength, but again, stretches. Uh, stretches, got you. Okay. Yeah. Pigeon pose is a great one for this problem i would say like a frog pose these are things that are easily on youtube uh, I, i'm a huge fan and advocate for non-moving ab exercises so i don't really like crunches they're not as devastatingly bad for you as we thought they were like five years ago but they're still there's better things you could be doing such as planks hollow holds uh side planks things like that what about the sit I am definitely still not a huge fan of that. Like I said, there's some evidence that points to it having a negative effect on your spine over a long period of time, which I think is attributed to our, our, even though we have a huge growth in uh, like lifespan, we've had a decline in quality of life at that age. And I think our excessive pushing of it is really kind of, damaged it because the initial part the crunch of the sit-up activates the rectus abdominis and the parts of the abs that you really want to be focusing on uh-huh. but the rest of it kind of goes into muscles that control the hips and the lower back and those aren't muscles that are particularly meant for movement and power oh so the evidence isn't as strong as bad for you as it was before it's still just not as helpful okay so more like planks yeah controlled uh static strengthening exercises okay okay so for bartenders uh strengthening the core and stretching lower back hip area uh, yeah even your even your hamstrings and uh calves could use some pretty good stretching oh yeah without a doubt i mean i I see people uh my staff you know every once in a while do it and, and staff all around where you know the calves uh, tighten up because you're standing for so long that those heels um, start to get irritated, and it just works itself up. Um, so, a- any good stretches on that, or like, uh, what about whenever you get home, putting your feet up or icing them? Any of that works? I'm pretty much team ice. Doesn't really help much. It's great ibuprofen. I know a lot of people can't have, but. And small batches, it's not bad for the general public. Okay. Uh, so anti-inflammatory. Yes. To an extent, uh, there's there's a pretty big movement about 
all these like superfoods and stuff that are supposed to help but honestly you have to be eating like entire handfuls of turmeric to actually get the effect okay and so it's a compound effort proper rest plus the anti-inflammatories will help not just looking for one answer well talk to me then a little bit about rest and it's something everybody needs your body physically needs the time uh in a sense of musculature at least your muscles need the time not moving to repair from the time it's spent moving an easy way to explain it uh, would be again weightlifting. uh conceptually you're almost like perforating the muscles right like you're as, as you lift and put that heavy strain it puts little tiny tears or pockets into it and it takes physical like actual time for it to reset and rebundle comes back a little bit stronger as long as you're not fully tearing it but your muscles need that time to regroup and sleep goes a long way in that it helps as it sets up uh helps everything kind of refresh and i think that's where a lot of service industry is missing because you're not not only are you working till two, but then you go home, you eat or you go out and you get your time to party afterwards, get home at five. It's not, not like every single person in the service industry goes home right at two. So whenever people talk about rest, I, I, what comes to mind is these years of successful people saying about how they only sleep four hours a night or five hours or you know, something really ridiculously short. And, and, and there's been plenty of people out there saying nobody needs eight hours of sleep. Yet, more recently, um, I've been hearing the opposite, right? From, this, from even, you know, super, super successful people, including uh, Jeff Bezos. For him, from the very beginning, he had to get eight hours of sleep because he understood that creativity was really his, his strength. You know, him, you know, and not getting into what that is, but it's the, the, the research says what? Less sleep or more sleep? Well, you're, you're actually kind of circling around the answer. You're like right there is everyone is going to differ a little. Like everyone needs sleep. Do I, do I function best off of five hours or eight hours is the question. And it's an experience thing. Okay. I, I've I've learned personally I don't do well when I sleep eight hours. I I'm groggy. I'm lazy. Five hours, four hours, even is perfect for me. Oh, okay. And so it just really depends on the person. The only universal thing is you need sleep. Right, but then um, I think is is also there's the uh, then what factors into sleeping shorter hours is. Uh, are you sleeping the right kind of way? You know, are you really getting a full sleep cycle? And when, whenever you've been drinking, um, then, you know, your body's not going to get the same rest. In addition to that, it, depending where you live, if you're going to bed at five, six in the morning, and that's where every, the whole world is waking up and you got a bunch of noise around, then, again, you might not get the rest that the body needs, regardless of how many hours you're you're in bed or sleeping and it's really unfortunate and almost pessimistic to say but like despite all the products and all the stuff out there there's so little we can do about it like melatonin will help an extent it's like the turmeric thing like it'll help but you'd need a metric ton to actually get true results from it 
the best you can do is give yourself comfortable sleep. Find a, a routine that really helps you. For me, uh, I, I love background noise. If the, I fall asleep 10 times easier with the, the TV on than I do in total quiet. And just keep track for a few days. Make, change things up on purpose to see if you sleep, if you feel better the next day. So that's a, okay. So uh, that's an interesting point. Um, what about using pillows? Uh, what do they call it? Like the body pillows to to help your uh, how you sleep, um, uh, uh, stretch and and give rest uh, and not aggravate um, different smaller muscles like in the hips and the shoulders. Um, what about those? Is those really truly effective? I personally don't know. I haven't really spent a lot of time looking into that. And I never really tried it, so I couldn't tell you from anecdotal experience either. I do know, like, I get comfortable, I get more comfortable using blankets as a, something to, like, grab onto than an actual blanket. So that could be something. Aside from that, the other things that, that come to mind it, is uh, those uh, bedtime routines. You know how you. Yeah, I mean, classically. You, uh-huh. Go, go like classically condition yourself is a great way to do it. Like the routine, like oh, I've started brushing my teeth. I immediately followed by this. Immediately followed by this. Your body kind of naturally shuts down. Yeah, when I waited tables, I mean that was one of the things I did whenever I got home. Uh, I would put my feet up for about half an hour, and then uh, which was a long time, but you know, um, I'd work a lot of doubles. And then uh, I take a shower, I'd eat something light, I'd brush my teeth, I'd go to bed. And especially whenever I was going to school full time and, and working full time, uh, and it was, you know, every day was at least from 8 a.m. to midnight or 1 a.m., uh, it was, I was able to do it for two years straight without losing my mind. <laughs> But it, it does require that, that sort of, uh, well, any day that I broke my routine uh, really made it much more difficult the, the following day. Exactly. It's, it's very, very old school classical conditioning at that point that we've all done to ourselves without having some dude in a lab coat force it. <laughs> yeah. It's like Pavlov's dog. Yep. So, um, anything else that, that you think uh, would be helpful? Uh, do you have a website also? What's your social media? Uh, social media is usually where I post the more helpful stuff. Uh, my website I haven't actually used in a while because I just suck at that. So, yeah. in- Instagram, the cheat meal with periods between each word. Okay, and I'll, and I'll post it on the comments. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I generally pre-apocalypse. I posted just the people I follow, a lot of the researchers and stuff that they were posting to make helpful. Uh, I, my actual posts tend to just be more fun. You'll see a lot of pictures of my clients' help passed out from exhaustion or things I like eating and drinking. But uh, my stories generally go along the lines of, "Oh, this is what this research, researcher found out today," or "This is a new, a cool new exercise." And stuff like that. Post-apocalypse, it's mostly memes because I haven't worked in a few months. As soon as things get a little less crazy, yours is definitely one of my favorite places to go. 
when I when I asked you uh, to make me a split base daiquiri, you didn't even blink. <laughs> it's like my my benchmark test. Yeah, I remember that. I, you know, the funny thing is, I've I've had several people do stuff like that. Like ask for for really peculiar things that I guess in the 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 realm of of craft bartenders, we always mess around with each other at that. So I'm kind of I'm used to it a little bit, uh, but it always whenever I, I I get a sense that the person's not industry is like okay this person spending a lot of times in cocktail bars, so they must have talked to somebody. It was weird because the first time I did it, it caught uh, David over at Layla off guard. He's like, "What? That sounds weird. No, I'm like do it." <laughs> yeah. Well, man, I really appreciate you, and I uh, hope everything turns uh, everything turns out well for you. Thank you, and thanks for having me. It's always it's always cool getting to have a reason to kind of look up new stuff and see, and just introspect on different parts of my own industry. Like, okay, like yeah, I've been working with so and so on this and that, but what's a more a more broad thing that could help everyone, like rest or certain stretches? Because I I do get to spend quality time actually learning about these individuals versus overall yeah and i think that we have uh like society has changed right the way that we work has changed so much over the last decade or or decade and a half that we need to adjust how we take care of our bodies fundamentally i think these there are it's, it's it's the same but the specifics uh keep changing yeah, we're looking for the same outcome, but we have to do different things to get there now. So what I liked about the conversation with Ryan was the simplicity of of the answers, right? Um, like, you know, a lot of times you need rest, you need to work out, as, you know, and, uh, and stretch. But when it comes to the workout, um, a lot of times a little bit goes a long way. And so... For instance, when he talks about uh, doing ab workout with sit-ups versus, you know, doing a more static exercises versus uh, dynamic exercises. Dynamic being where you're moving and moving a lot versus static, whereas you ju- you're just moving very little um, but or nothing at all. And I think that we oftentimes think of working out as such a chore and it's something that you can integrate into your day so much so easily at the beginning of this pandemic lockdown that we had and which has rolled over into you know every every calamity that the world has to offer is in 2020 but anyways when you when we started that i would say late you know uh keep in shape just by doing 10 push-ups a day or 10 in the morning and 10 at night or you know 10 every hour if you're fit and the idea with that is that you're having some, it's, it's not a big commitment, but if you do it every day and it's consistent, then you start to feel the, the benefits of it. And that's the thing about working out. You're like, you want to f- feel the benefits. You want to feel like you can move easier. You want to feel that you have a bit more energy. You want to feel that, you know, it's, uh, your mind is, is brighter and clearer. And so doing those 10 push-ups a day um help out with that 
if you're paying attention, if you do it day after day after day after day, by the fifth or sixth day, you're going to realize that you want a little bit more. So that's whenever you add the other one. But his advice is along those lines to where it takes a lot less effort than you than you know. Uh, but at the same time, these days, we, you know, the common common man, just your common blue collar, have access to someone like him that is studied and uh, understands the uh, dieting and the, and the body very well through the work that he's done. And we actually have access to him. So I'm going to leave his information on the comment section uh, so that way you can contact him and um, talk pricing, whatever that is. But it, it, you think about it, at some, not that long ago, a few decades ago, someone like me didn't have access to him. Because these people only worked with athletes, elite athletes. And um, so they were like, the institutions would pay them. So they, they were definitely outside the price range of, uh, of, of me. And uh, in, the, in the bartending world, this is very, very necessary. And the thing is, is right now that we have taken this long rest, your body's probably is going to be easier for you to implement some new routines into your daily living. Um, that will, will help you on the long haul. I'll be back next week and uh, we'll see what the world looks like in a week. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other and keep the conversation going. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. I don't